There's a sister who needs to fire up her faith. And if we were honest, I think a lot of us probably identify with her a lot, don't we? Jesus, I trust you so much, do you? Will you go where I want to take you? That's what we've been talking about starting last week. We're talking about firing up our faith. And it is so important to Jesus. It's so important to God. And because it's so important to them, it is extremely important to us in our relationship, in our journey with Christ. As we discovered, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's a key component of our relationship with him. And therefore, we need to periodically come back and revisit this idea of faith. We need to understand it, and we need to be reminded how to employ it in our life because we want to please God, don't we? Amen? Amen. Well, the Bible clearly says that if we are not engaged in faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, last week, we took on the question, what is faith? And we discovered that faith is God's invitation into the supernatural. See, God wants you to experience things that you could never experience by your own volition. God wants to take you places you would never go on your own. God wants to invite you into the supernatural. We looked at an encounter that Jesus had with his disciples to see how this really looks. And Jesus, remember, walked on the water out to his disciples who were in a boat out in the middle of the lake in a terrible storm. Jesus just came walking out on the water because Jesus is God and he could defy the laws of nature. And so the disciples at first when they saw him walking out to the water had the same reaction we would have. They were scared to death. They thought it was a ghost. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. Then you remember that we saw impetuous Peter said, if it's you, Lord, let me come out to you on the water. And then Jesus said what? Come on. See, Jesus extended to Peter an invitation into the supernatural. And we saw that Peter accepted that invitation, got out of the boat, and did what? He walked on the water. He did what no man had ever done before. He did what no man has done ever since. God enabled him. Jesus enabled him to walk literally on the water. That's faith. That's what faith looks like. It's accepting God's invitation. Listen, God is still extending invitations to believers to walk on the water. He's extending invitations to you and me to do things we never thought we could do, to go places we never thought we could go, and to have an impact for the kingdom of God that we never imagined we could play. Now, today, I want to talk about and answer the question, what does faith look like? We know that without it, it's impossible to please God. We know it's his invitation into the supernatural, but what does that look like? How can we know whether we're engaged in it or not? What benchmarks has God given us so that we can kind of track our progress in this? Well, I want to give you several this morning. Faith first looks like believing when I don't see it. Believing when I don't see it. The video that we just saw with the girl falling backwards. Well, she learned to fall backwards when she could look there and she really saw a presence of Jesus there. But then when Jesus comes back and says, all right, now fall back, and she turns around and sees nothing behind her, now 
her faith is really called to the test. And in this particular instance, she failed the test, and she said, I can't. Jesus said, we can together, and she said, I won't. See, because Jesus takes us to some risky places, and he calls us to believe what we don't see. In fact, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and what certain of what we do not see. That's what faith is all about, believing when we don't see it. Now, the classic example is God himself, and the one that we could probably most identify with, so we'll start with the foundational level of this idea, believing when I don't see it, because this is the one area that most of us have taken a first step of faith in. Jesus said in John 6, 46, that no one has ever seen God except for the one who came from God, speaking of himself. He said, no one else has seen God. Now, some might want to argue theologically, well, well, Moses saw God. No, he didn't. Remember, Moses asked God to see him, and God said, I can't do that. See, because a fallen man in a sinful condition cannot be exposed to the pureness of God's presence and live through that. So what did God do? God put Moses in the cleft of the rock. Later on, a hymn writer wrote a hymn about it. He hideth my soul. And God passed by Moses and allowed him to see a little bit of his afterglow, a little bit of his Shekinah glory. And God allowed Moses to see that periodically. And remember, Moses would come down from being with God and he would be glowing like a light bulb with the Shekinah presence of God, but he never saw God. So Jesus clearly says, no man has ever seen God. Yet he immediately goes on in the next verse to say this, I tell you the truth, truth, he who believes has everlasting life. So Jesus says this, no one's ever seen God, but those who believe in God have everlasting life. In other words, without this act of faith, you can't have everlasting life. You have to believe in whom you have never seen. That verse we looked at, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It goes on to say, because anyone who comes to him must first and foremost believe that he exists. Now, most of us here today have taken that first fundamental foundational step of faith. Maybe you haven't. If not, God has brought you here today to give you that opportunity. But look what it says in 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. How many love God? How many love Jesus? Now, how can you love him? You've never seen him. How can you love him? Look what it says. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Do you realize what we have done in the early part of this service today is absolutely insane. It's ridiculous. We spent 30, maybe 40 minutes in our service today singing to someone we've never seen and we can't see now. And yet, because many of us have taken that first step of faith and we have believed in him, He has already ushered us into the supernatural because we, although we can't see him, we know he's there, don't we? Because the spirit of God who lives in us gives testimony to us that he's alive. And not only is he alive somewhere out there, he's alive right here, isn't he? And as we sang, I believe you're my healer. I believe, I believe, I believe. 
Many of us were moved by the Spirit of God. Some of us were moved to raise our hands and to praise Him. And an unbelieving world would come in here and would say, look at those crazy people. Look at those kooks, but not us. Because although we've never seen Him with our eyes, we have experienced His presence. And that presence is the supernatural that God has brought in us, that we can feel his presence and we can be filled with inexpressible joy even though we've never seen him face to face. But one day, one day soon, that's going to change and we'll see him face to face. That's faith. Another classic example is you yourself. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means if anyone has trusted Jesus Christ as his or her personal Savior, it says he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Fact. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God has divinely changed you forever. That person, that man, that woman, you used to be, the moment you trusted Jesus Christ, that person went away. And God re-engineered you into an amazing spirit person. An amazing son or daughter of Jesus Christ, of God. And when he did that, everything about you changed. Now, you might not have sensed that. And certainly as you go and look in the mirror, you may not see that. Men in the morning when we're shaving and we're looking at that guy in the mirror... Women in the morning when you're shaving and looking, no, I'm just kidding. When you're putting your makeup on, you may not sense that you're a new creature at all. You, you, you might see the reflection of that same person that has filled you with insecurity all your life. And you may look at that same nose that you think is too big or too small. Those same ears that are embarrassing to you. You you might look at at your size and and what you're seeing is a reflection of who you used to be when in fact God has engineered an entire new person in you. You are not that person anymore. You are now divinely engineered, divinely empowered by God to go places that you can't imagine going, to do things for God that you can't imagine doing. See, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity. He didn't give us a spirit of being a loser. He didn't give us a spirit of being a second-class citizen. God put in us, when he engineered us all new, he put in us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, to love like we've never loved before and most human beings are not capable of loving, a spirit of self-discipline to be able to do things that we never dreamed of doing before. Ephesians, Paul is trying to encourage these believers and get them to understand what I'm telling you right now. And so he writes in his letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Otherwise, that you might believe what you don't see with your eyes. And he says, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, to know that he's calling you to get out of the boat. He's inviting you into the supernatural. He's inviting you to go places and do things you can never imagine doing. And he says, and in his 
incomparably great power for us who believe. And it goes on to describe that power as the same power that God used to bring Jesus Christ back from the grave. Listen, God wants you to see yourself as he has made you. God wants you to jettison all those junky tapes that you hold in your mind about yourself and that others may even say about you and listen to the new voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit who lives inside you and says, you have been divinely empowered by God for a mission and God will take you out of the boat into the storm but he'll let you walk on the water of the storm. Faith is seeing yourself walk on the water. Faith is when the Holy Spirit is telling you, talk to that man, talk to that coworker about Jesus. And you're going, there's no way I can talk to them about Jesus. Yeah, you can. Jesus is saying, you're not going to fall back. But I don't see anything back there. You don't have to see. Just believe that I'm in there. Faith is when Jesus calls you to reconcile some broken relationship that you just don't see any way to ever reconcile again. Faith is believing that even though you can't, that Jesus can take you into the supernatural of his power when he can change hearts and change attitudes and change lives and bring reconciliation where there's no more human hope. Faith is seeing yourself performing ministry for God, acts of service to God that you don't think you can do, but he's prompting you to do. See, faith is believing what my eyes don't see yet because faith is the hope of what we want but it's what we do not see faith looks like obeying when I don't understand it faith is God's invitation into the supernatural and just by definition the supernatural is what we don't understand we understand the natural. We understand the natural laws of physics and nature and all that kind of stuff. We, we get that. We, we've lived that. God's inviting us into that which we don't understand. And if we go that direction, if we go into that world that is beyond our understanding, if we follow God into his supernatural, we are going to be called to journey down paths that we don't understand, that don't make any sense to us. Because it's God working. We go down paths that make sense to us. We like to go places that are safe and secure. But that's not the supernatural. God is going to take us places that we don't understand. And he's going to call us to obey things. And we're going, God, you've got to be crazy. Like the girl in the video, fall backwards, there's nothing back there. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. You don't see it. But he's there. Abraham was a man of faith who obeyed God when he didn't understand it. He was living a normal life, a very productive life, a very fulfilling life in the Ur of the Chaldees. That's in modern-day Iraq. Everything was going great for him. And one day God appeared to him and said, Abram, I want you to leave all this. It says in Hebrews 11.8, By faith, Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obey and went, even though he did not know where he was going. 
God didn't say, okay, here's the land I'm going to give you. Here's how you get there. Here's a map. Just go ahead. God said, just leave everything and start walking. I'll show you where to go, and I'll tell you when you get there. Now, he said, now, if you do this, I'm going to invite you in the supernatural. He said, I'm going to make a whole nation people group out of you. You will be my chosen people. I'm going to multiply your descendants like the number of stars in the skies. I'm going to multiply your descendants like the, like the grains of sand on the seashore. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. I'm going to radically change your life. I'm going to take you into the supernatural. But just start walking. See, it's obeying God when that doesn't make sense. Later on, God even tested him in a greater way. Remember, he's promised him, I'm going to multiply your descendants like, like the stars of the sky. And yet he gets to be 100 years old and he doesn't have son number one. He and his wife both. They have no, no children. In fact, they, they kind of get impatient, and so they come up with this scheme, as you recall, for Abram to sleep with, with uh, Sarah's ma- ma- our maidservant, uh, Hagar. And they produce a son named Ishmael, and that's thrown the world into chaos we're in today, and that's a different story for a different time. <laughs> but finally, God gives them that son that he promised. And Sarah conceives in her old age, 100 years old, and gives birth to a healthy son named Isaac. But then, shortly into Isaac's life, God calls him to do the absolute absurd. God puts a challenge on him that makes no sense whatsoever from any human angle. It's recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, the only one you got, whom you love because he is your son, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. He says, take your only son, the only one that your eyes see right now who can continue your bloodline. The only one I have given you to date in fulfillment of the promise that I gave you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take him. I want you to build an altar. I want you to lay him on it. I want you to kill him. I want you to burn him to ashes. Talk about going to a place and obeying what you don't understand. Well, it says, early the next morning, Abram got up and saddled his donkey. See, a- Abram had already discovered the amazing experience of walking in faith with God. And he didn't wait a few days and pray about it and think about it for a couple weeks and make sure that God had really told him that. The next morning, he got up and he obeyed what he could not have possibly understood. And he did exactly what God had told him to. Later in the encounter, and it's always just pierced my heart. Abram arrives at the place God tells him, and he builds the altar, and he puts the wood on it. And his son Isaac says, but Dad, we don't have a sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice? We didn't bring the sacrifice. As a father, your son, knowing that you're about to put him on that altar. And yet, he obeyed what he didn't understand. What could possibly drive a dad to? 
to do something like that? It was faith. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abram, when God tested him, offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Now see, he was already engaging the two things that we've talked about. He was believing what his eyes were not seeing. He was obeying what his mind and his heart was not understanding. And he was doing it by faith. Why? It goes on to say in verse 19, Hebrews 11, Abram reasoned that God could raise the dead. God said, God, you are so awesome. God, you are so omnipotent that I know you would never call me to an act of faith. You would never lay anything on me that was immoral. You would never lay anything on me that was unreasonable. God, this seems illogical. I don't understand it all. But I believe this about you, that if you have me plunge a knife into the heart of my son, if you have me burning the ashes, God, you can manipulate those ashes and you can pump life back into him and he'll live again. That's faith. We're going to follow God into his supernatural. God's going to lead us down pathways that just don't make any sense. And that's why it will require acts of faith. Think about it. God's method for getting into heaven doesn't make any sense, does it? Think about it. Every other religious system in this world relies on a works salvation theology that somehow you've got to earn your way into the, into the good measure and, and, and the favor of God, of whatever God you worship, and maybe someday you're going to get it right and get into heaven, if there's such a thing, or you're going to be absorbed into the energy field like the Eastern religions believe and realize karma. Only Christianity is based on faith. That seems ridiculous. What God tells us to do with our money doesn't make any sense. Really, God, give you 10%? Plus, oh God, how in the world am I going to make life go with 90%? I, I can, I'm struggling with 100%. It doesn't make any sense. God said, I know. Go ahead, fall back. I won't. How God commands us to treat our enemies doesn't make any human sense. Really? Those who have stuck the knife in my back and twisted it, those who have chopped off my knees on the promotional ladder at work, those who have abused me, those who have offended me, those who have attacked me, God, you want me to love them? You, you want me to do nice things for them? That doesn't make any sense. That's not how it works, God. God says, go ahead, fall backwards. Trust me. The way God calls us to live our lives in so many areas of our life, just doesn't make sense. That's why it requires faith to go there. And that's why God can reward us. Faith is the doorway to the supernatural. Faith is the doorway to experiencing what only God can do and taking us where only God can take us. But it demands that we obey when we don't understand. It's also persisting when I don't feel like it. You know, some of us have gotten out of the boat, and we've accepted God's faith challenge, and for a while we've been walking on the water. But for a lot of us, we got tired of walking on the water. 
We used to walk on the water of serving God vibrantly in some ministry. We used to walk on the water of trusting God's plan for giving and giving him our tithe. We used to witness for him and, and invite people to church, but we don't do it anymore. See, faith is persevering. Faith is continuing even when we don't feel like it. And trust me, all of us have those periods when we don't feel like doing it anymore. I have them. You have them. And that's why it's an act of faith to continue to follow God into the unknown. Continue to take the risks that he puts in our life. That's why it comes with the rewards that it does. See, the Bible says in James, verse 1, 2, and 3, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Here's the thing about faith. God's going to give you baby steps of faith to trust. First, it's just trust that he exists, believe in him. And then he's going he's gonna to push the envelope a little bit, just like in the video. First time is, you know, just, just fall back. I'm, I'm there. And, and then when we fall back and we actually do, we, yeah, Jesus, I trust you so much. And he says, okay, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. Oh, man, it was so cool. It was so awesome, Jesus. And he says, okay, now do this. And we go, what? See, he's going to test it. He's going to take us to new places because he has greater things that he wants us to experience. He has greater purpose in our life, things that he needs us to do for the advancement of the kingdom of God. He's not going to let us go here. Now, he's not going to start us by offering our son on the altar. He didn't start Abram there. And he's not going to show us some of the things because we would run like crazy. And he'll take us lovingly and gradually each step of the way. See, it says in verse 4 of James chapter 1, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, don't confuse that with being mature and complete, not lacking anything in this lifetime. See, here's the mistake we make. Our focus is on the here and now. This life is everything to us. But when reality, this life is a drop in the bucket. We celebrated yesterday another 100th birthday. We've had two in our church this year. Yesterday was Ethel Edwards' 100th birthday. 100 years old. Imagine that. 100 years old. Pastor Dill put it in perspective for me. He said he had a couple in the prime timers that just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, their golden anniversary. Ethel was 50 years old when they got married. Think about that. 100 years old. Not even a speck in the timeline of eternity. See, we're all caught up in the here and now and, and making sure the here and now is comfortable, making the here and now safe, and making the here and now everything. But God's focus is on eternity. He wants us to be ready for that. He wants to be ready to reward us with every reward that he can possibly give us. He wants to give us greater positions of responsibility in the millennial kingdom, in the eternal kingdom. God has so much more planned for us than we know. And so he is going to take us places and he's going to call us to do things that don't make sense in this life but will give us huge dividends in the life to come. Satan wants us to give up because when we give up, we stop gaining rewards. When we give up, we, don't, we stop learning new things about God. When we give up, we stop 
impacting other people's lives productively. But Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. If what? We don't give up. Oh, I know there's a lot of us out there just want to give up, and you're tired. You've been serving in that ministry for a long time. You've been giving to the Lord for a long time. You're just tired. Yeah, it gets tiring. But don't give up. Don't give up because the moment we give up may be the exact moment that God is preparing to demonstrate the most awesome thing in our entire life. And we're right there at the threshold. Right there at the door. And Satan says, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. I don't want you to have that. God's saying, just fall back. Persisting when I don't feel like it. Giving when I don't have it. You know, you say, Pastor Pete, you talk a lot about giving. Yeah, because it is an important part of our relationship with Christ. Do you realize that God speaks, Jesus spoke in his ministry more about giving than he did about hate, about love, about mercy, about grace, about heaven, about hell? More than all of those combined. Why? Because it is one of the biggest evidences of where our faith is. Jesus in Mark chapter, four, or chapter 12 one day, he's just hanging out at the temple. And there's a place in the temple where everyone brings their offerings. And, and just to show you that he is mindful of our giving. He, he's standing in the temple, you know, just kind of leaning back against the wall, and he's observing people coming and giving their offerings. And he sees a lot of these wealthy people coming, and they're giving great sums of money. Some historians have reported that, that possibly in the temple when people would give their offerings, that there was a herald there, and he would announce the size of the gift. Mr. Hezekiah has just given a gift of so much to the temple. Hey, Hezekiah, you're awesome. And so this is the scene. Jesus is sitting back there, and these wealthy people are putting in all these, these big offerings, and he's going, <sighs> why? Because there's no faith going on. There's nothing going on there. No one's getting out of the boat. They got all kinds of money. They could give that offering and eight offerings like it and not even phase them. And Jesus is just sitting back there, bored, watching what's going on. But then it goes on, the story says that a poor widow came. And she put in the offering two small copper coins that were worth only a fraction of a penny. And that perked Jesus' attention. He looked up. Because now faith was engaged. Now someone was accepting his invitation into the supernatural. And the story goes on that he called his disciples. He said, come here, come here, come here. Did you see what just happened? Did you see that? They go, well, we see what, Jesus? He said, all these people have given their offerings out of their wealth. But this poor widow woman gave everything she had to live on. Now, I don't know why, and I wish he, that God would have inspired Mark to, to continue the story because there is no doubt in my mind because I know the character of God that God did something amazing for this woman in response. I'll tell you what, for those of us who have accepted God's challenge to give that which we don't think we have, we could stand here and give stories. I wish I had time to give you some of my personal stories of how God has taken me into the supernatural because of my faithfulness in giving to him.
And I'm not alone. It's just not me. It's just not for preachers. A lot of you can put my stories to shame. See, it's trusting. There are two different worldviews on how we view our money and our material possessions. One is a personal provision. And that, that says that, that I am my own provider. That I provide for myself. I, I got to go out and I got to work hard and I got to make it happen and I got to provide for me and I got to provide for my family. It's me, me. I'm doing it. I'm the one. I got educated. I went out and worked hard. I spend the hours. I put the time in. And that's why I have what I have. Now, when we embrace that worldview of what we have, then we look at giving like this. The more I give to God or anybody else for that matter, the less I have for myself and my family. So we, we hold it back. Now, there's another worldview, though, that a worldview that exercises faith, and that's the, the providential provision that says God, in fact, is my provider. God is the one who's providing what I have and what I need, and very often even what I want. It's not me. It's God. Well, I, I went to college and I got degrees. Well, who enabled you to go to college? Well, I, I went and I, I work hard at work. Well, who enabled you to have a job? See? And we realize it's God. Now, when we embrace that worldview, we approach giving this way. God is my provider, and the more I give of myself, the more I give my money, the more I give my time, the more I give my talents, the more I give my gifts, the more he is going to be able to bless me and my family. Two opposing worldviews. One exercises faith, and the other, there's no faith element. Giving when I don't have it. See, that's when we're getting out of the boat and walking on the water. Thanking God before I get it. See, so often our prayers are just kind of hopes that we throw up there in the cosmos. Remember, Jesus said, whatever things you ask in prayer what? Believing you'll receive, see? Believing what my eyes don't see. And it goes on to talk about thanking God before we get it. No big deal, thank him after. And half the time we don't thank him even when we do get it. But faith is exercised when we thank him before we get it. God, I know you're hearing this prayer. God, I know that you are acting in my behalf, God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you for this challenge in my life. I thank you, God, for what you're doing right now. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, So then, just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. How did we receive Christ as Lord? Answer me, church, one word. We received Jesus Christ as our Savior by faith. So he says, now, that's the way you got into this family. That's the way you became part of the royal family. Now, continue to live every compartment of your life with that characteristic present faith. goes on to say, rooted up and built in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And what's it say? An important ingredient is overflowing with thanksgiving. See, we tend to forget the past, and all we look for is the future, and then we keep asking God for more and more and more, and we've not thanked him. And we, our life is not characterized by thanksgiving. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God and look what it says and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus see that's the supernatural part when we are thankful to God 
And when we thank him before, he even gives us what we're asking for or what we need. Then God can bring us into the supernatural and fill us with his peace in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that trial, in the middle of that need. And he will guard our minds and our hearts. And I'll tell you what we need a lot more than money, what we need a lot more than the next promotion, what we need a lot more than a lot of things is we need God's peace in our life, don't we? Because that is the supernatural. Because when we go through human experiences and situations and trials that cause most people to run screaming in panic, we don't have to do that. Because God will invite us into the supernatural of giving us peace and his presence. Thanking God before I get it. Finally, trusting God if I don't get it. That's faith. Fact. God hears and answers every single prayer. Always. God's not hearing my prayer. Yes, he is. Oh, I've been praying and God... Yes, he is. God hears and answers every single prayer. Second fact. God does not always answer the way I want him to or expect him to. That's why we don't think he's answering because he didn't give me what I want. See, listen, God's not some kind of a cosmic vending machine. We throw in a prayer and pull the handle and get whatever we want. See, because oftentimes we're asking God for things without giving any consideration how it's going to impact anybody else. It might be good for us, it might be horrible for others. Or how it's going to impact what he's trying to accomplish for his kingdom. Oftentimes we ask with the wrong motives. And so God doesn't always answer our prayer the way that we want. Third fact is God does not always answer according to my timetable. Again, prayer, I want it now. What's wrong with this machine? Give me God. I prayed. I did what you told me to do. See, we need to trust God. Look at this passage in Hebrews chapter 11 again. This is the the faith chapter of the Bible. It's it's the, the, the hall of fame, the hall of faith. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Some experienced the absolute supernatural of God in such a profound way that people who had died came back to life because of their faith. But others, look what it says, were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. In other words, others, a whole lot more others, their experience was this, that they were arrested for, for believing in Jesus Christ and they were, they, they were given an option. You renounce Jesus Christ and we'll let you go. But they refused to do that. Because they were looking beyond the here and now. And they knew that God was bringing this into their life to usher them into the supernatural. And that God would reward them for eternity for their act of faith right now. Look what it says. Some faced jeers and floggings while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. Look what it says. They were sawed in two. They they were put to death by the sword, stabbed repeatedly. And the implication is that that could have ended at any time if they just would have renounced their faith in Jesus. But they didn't. Because they knew even in those dire circumstances that God was working his awesome power. That God was accomplishing something for the kingdom that their eyes couldn't see at that time and and that their minds couldn't understand. And even though everything within their human nature was screaming, Run! They persisted and obeyed. 
Look what it says. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what was promised. I won't renounce Jesus. Hold Jesus. Changes. Jesus. Make these soldiers go away. Jesus, let the shackles fall off me like you did Paul. Let me walk out of this dungeon. Let me walk. It didn't happen. They got sawed right in half. It says, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. In other words, God has a much bigger plan. And we are links in the chain that God is creating to accomplish his eternal purpose in the lives of millions and millions and millions and millions of men, women, boys, and girls. And the experiences we have and the trials we have all come together with the experiences and trials of believers in generations past. And they all are forming a beautiful tapestry that from our angles, we're looking at the bottom, looks ugly and we don't understand it. But one day when we get to see it from heaven's perspective, it'll make perfect sense and it'll be the most beautiful thing that we've ever seen and our life of faith will be part of it. But right now, that requires trusting God even when I don't get it. What does faith look like? Believing when I don't see it. Obeying when I don't understand it. Persisting when I don't feel like it. It's giving when I don't have it. It's thanking God before I get it. It's trusting God if I never get it. See, that's the supernatural. Amen. And oh, when we get out of the boat, that's when exciting things start happening. That's when we see who God really is. Let me ask you, is God challenging you today to fire up your faith? Let's bow our heads. Right now, God's talking to you. I don't know what he's saying. If you've tuned in, if you haven't gone to sleep, Holy Spirit is talking to you about something right now. And because we've been talking about faith, God is challenging you to some act of faith. What has God been challenging you with? What has God been asking you to do that just doesn't make any sense to you? Who has God been asking you to talk to who just, you just don't see any reason to, to even waste the breath that it would take to talk to them? What ministry is God calling you to serve in? What act of faith has God been speaking to you about? Let's get out of the boat. Let God have his way in your life. And he will show you things about him that you never dreamed of. He will give you victories that you never even imagined. He will use you in ways that you could have never believed. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to fire up our faith. God, we're here because we love you and we want to please you. And God, we get it now that it's impossible. And you have even given us indicators of what that faith looks like so that we can use it as a benchmark to, to judge whether we're even in the game or not. Lord, I just pray that you will empower us to have faith, to trust you, to fall backwards even though we don't see anyone behind us, knowing, God, that together 
we can do amazing things for you. Anoint us with your power and your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Next week, we're going to talk about how to fire up our faith. God bless you.